again um, for the second time. Add it together and you get close. But anyway, um, it's great to be here and to preach to you on my birthday. What a, what a privilege um, that is. What a privilege. Okay, now we are beginning a new preaching series today. Now I'm going to set it up in this way. We live in 2022. And the world we live in is a world which is full of great uncertainty. It's a world that is full of challenge. It's a world where there is the climate emergency. It's a world where there is great economic uncertainty. There is rumors of war. There is actual war. There is the threat of nuclear war. The, the Guardian called 2022 a year of living dangerously. That that's the kind of encapsulates a little bit of the uncertainty and challenge of the year and the time that we find ourselves in. That's the world. Then let's take a moment and think about the church. And the church I'm going to talk about is the church in the West, the church in this country, Europe, North America, the church in the West. The church in the West, you find, is very timid. It is divided. It holds back. There's various infighting amongst factions and different groups. There's the being afraid of speaking out because of the, the culture wars and being afraid to say something that might get you cancelled. There's churches which are, which are lukewarm and, and, and not speaking from the Bible. There, there are churches which are irrelevant to most of the world. 2022, the world, the church, and then Christians, you and I. Many of us were, would, if we're honest, many of us are conflicted and, and we feel nervous. We think, uh, do I actually believe the Bible? What happens when I die? We have these questions. We're scared. We're embarrassed. We want to hide away. We, we don't quite know the rock on which we stand. And for the seven weeks ahead, starting today, we're going to be looking at a book of the Bible, which is the first letter that John wrote, 1 John. And 1 John was a letter written by the Apostle John, John who wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote it to the church and to Christians to bring three things. This was the reason he wrote this letter, and these were the three things that he wanted to communicate. He wanted to bring clarity, he wanted to bring confidence, and he wanted to bring assurance. And I don't know about you, but those three things are in desperate need today in the church and for each other. We desperately need a greater conviction and clarity on our faith. We desperately need a greater assurance in what we believe. We desperately need a greater confidence to speak out boldly in the world and the time that we find ourselves in. The key verse is 1 John 5 and verse 13, which says this. Right at the end of the letter, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
so that you may know. That's the title of this preaching series, that you may know. And I believe it's incredibly significant and important for us as a church and individually that we may know, that we may have confidence, clarity, and assurance in the world that we live in. Let me give you a little bit of background on the letter 1 John. It was written, as I said, by the Apostle John, who walked with Jesus for three years. John was a fisherman in his 20s for a working class business. When he saw Jesus, he immediately left his nets and went to follow him. John was one of Jesus' most trusted followers. Often you found that there was Peter, James, and John who were like the inner circle with Jesus. They were the ones who went up the Mount of Transfiguration. They were the ones who were with him to the end in the Garden of Gethsemane before they finally fell asleep. He was one of Jesus' most trusted followers. He was at the side of Jesus at the Lord's Supper. He, he, he and Jesus, you could make a strong argument, were, were best of friends. Five times in his gospel, Jesus says, sorry, John says that, that Jesus, he was the one that Jesus loved. That was the phrase that he used, that he was the, the one that Jesus loved. He understood and had a great intimacy with the Savior, with Jesus Christ. And John saw, touched, and heard everything that we read in the Bible. And his life was transformed by Jesus. Now, John lived a long time. Every single one of the other disciples were martyred for their faith, except John. There's a great picture, put it up here. One time, they tried to kill John. And they tried to kill John by boiling him alive. But historians tell us it didn't work. They tried to boil him alive in a pot like that, and it didn't work. He, he didn't die. It wasn't his appointed moment to die. So, so he kind of was taken out of the pot unscathed and lived to a ripe old age. After that, he was actually taken to the Isle of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible. Jesus revealed these incredible things to him that he wrote down in the book of Revelation that he wrote on the Isle of Patmos. He was the last disciple of Jesus to die. Roughly, historians tell us, around the age of 100. Now, John wrote five books in the Bible. He wrote the Gospel, he wrote Revelation, and he wrote John 1, John 2, and John 3. And John 1, which is what we're going to look at over the next few weeks, was written to second and third generation Christians. Christians who were, who were struggling with an unpredictable world. Christians who were struggling with heretics and false teachers, and they were unsure of their faith. Christians who were timid and lukewarm and half-hearted. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like a letter that we need to hear? Now, John writes the letter in a fatherly tone. He, he talks about the church being like, like children he wants to protect, that he is the spiritual father and he wants to bring his teaching and his truth to them. 
At no time is it a condemning letter. It is a letter that wants, that wants, he wants them to understand what he is communicating. So John met Jesus. He was changed forever. His life was transformed, and he wants to pass that on. He wants to pass on the confidence, the assurance, and the certainty. And I think, like I've said, that's what we desperately need in 2022. Now, before we get into it, you ask, well, how does he do that? How does John communicate that confidence, clarity, and assurance in the letter? How does he do that? He does that by time and again throughout the letter, bringing three tests or criteria that you may know. Just pause for a moment. You know, why, why do you take a test? You take a test to find out a result. Pregnancy test to find out if someone is expecting a child or not. You take a COVID test to find out if you're positive or negative. You take a driving test to find out if you pass or fail. You take a test because you want to know. You want to know with certainty. You want to have assurance. You want to have clarity. You want to have confidence. And that's what John does in different ways. The book of 1 John is a beautifully written book, but it's kind of like there's, there's all kinds of layers to it. And he kind of writes one thing and then another and one thing and then another. But all through it is a pattern of these three tests, these three criteria, which are that we have a truth built on Jesus Christ, that we love one another, and that our lifestyle is holy and set apart. That's the three tests that John brings in the letter of 1 John. It's like Jesus' parable, the wise man built his house upon the rock. You say, well, what is that rock that we can have confidence and security in, in our faith, that we are to build upon as a church in 2022? Well, that rock is our belief in the gospel, our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is our love of others, a love one of another, and it is a lifestyle that is holy and set apart. That is the rock which we are to build our life upon and the church upon in this time. There is so much rubbish spoken about what is important and what we are to build our life upon. There is so much uncertainty, so many questions but John boils it down and says, these are the three criteria, which we will look at in the coming weeks. These are the three important things to build your life upon, to have confidence in the gospel, a lifestyle that is holy and set apart, and a love one for another. Now, here's what's really important. If one of those is missing, it's all messed up. If one of those key parts of the jigsaw is missing, the whole thing is crooked, wonky, and messed up. Let me give you an example. If you are someone who believes the gospel, believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and you attempt to live a holy life that is set apart, but do not have love one for another. Then, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, then our, our lives are like a clanging cymbal. It's no good without love one for another. Or flip it this way. If you are someone that loves people, oh, you love them with, a, with an everlasting love, you would do anything for someone. And you know what? You do believe in Jesus and you do believe in the gospel, but your lifestyle is the same as everyone else's. Your lifestyle is no different from the world, then that is messed up, that is wrong, that is crooked and not what John is talking about. Or you, you live a good life. Your, your lifestyle is a lifestyle which is holy. And, 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 and you love people. Oh, you love people. And you do the right thing, but you're not sure about Jesus. You're not sure that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You're not sure about the gospel. Then that is mixed up. That is wrong. That is crooked and not what John is talking about. John is clear as we will look at in the coming weeks, that there needs to be evidence in our lives and in the church of these three criteria, these three tests. And that's what he says 15 times in the letter. He says, this is how we know. This is how we know. How do we know? What, what authentic Christianity looks like. How do we know what, what a church should be built upon? How do we know? How do we counter false doctrine? How do we, we live set apart in, in the world? How do we know? John tells us, by belief in the gospel, which we will look at and unpack, by loving one another, which we will look at and unpack, and by living holy lives, which we will look at and unpack. John says, you, you can know, and these are the criteria which I give to you. And, and it's not that you are to be perfect in all these areas. Please hear that. It's not that we are perfect in each of these areas and have it sorted. No, 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 we're not going to be perfect. John is, 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 and time again, this comes out, John is clear. He wants to see evidence. That's what's important, evidence of each of these three tests and criteria. Evidence that we love one another. Evidence that, that we do believe in the key doctrines of our Lord Jesus Christ. And evidence that we live and attempt to live as best we can with the hope of the Holy Spirit, a holy lifestyle. Evidence. So we'll go through the letter of 1 John starting today and then the next six weeks. And my prayer is for all of us that you may know the truth, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you may know that as believers, we are called to love one another, to love those who are different to us, to love with an everlasting love, to love with an agape, self-sacrificial love. And that we are to know that our lives should be holy, set apart, different to the world that we live in. If we know that, we will have clarity, confidence, and assurance. And that is what we need more than ever in the world that we are living in. Okay, all I'm going to do today is look at the kind of preface 
which is the introduction, which is the first four verses of 1 John. Kind of sets up, really, uh, the rest of the book. So I'll come up on the screen. I'm going to read the first four verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The word appeared, sorry, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now that introduction, that kind of paragraph of an introduction is, is kind of a, in the Greek, it's like a crazily intense kind of all over the place paragraph. It's incredibly rich and deep. But if you want me to summarize it, I can summarize it by saying, John starts off a letter, letter by saying, it's all about Jesus. That's, that's basically what he's saying. It's all about Jesus. That's how he's starting this letter. We'll we'll dig into it in a moment. But if you want me to summarize it, and if you hear nothing else, those first four verses, that that introduction to to the three tests, to the be confident and assurance and clarity, is it's all about Jesus. Verse 1, John says, life is revealed in Jesus. That, that phrase where it says at the end of verse 1, the word of life. What John is talking about when he mentions the word of life is the gospel, is Jesus. John is saying that all we need has been revealed in Jesus Christ. God revealed himself in creation, that which was from the beginning, But complete revelation comes in Jesus Christ. Has anyone ever asked you the question, you know, what does God look like? Or how do I know God? The answer is to say, well, look at Jesus. It's in Jesus we see God. It's in Jesus that all things are revealed. Jesus reveals the life, the heart, the mind of God for all to see. We're to look no further than Jesus. There's nothing hidden from our view that we cannot find in Jesus. That's what John is saying at the beginning in that first verse. Life is revealed in Jesus. Jesus is the word of life. Look at Jesus and you see all that you need. You want to know God? Look at Jesus. Life is revealed in Jesus. The second thing that that John says in verse 2 is that life is experienced in Jesus. You've got to remember, you see, that John had a personal encounter with Jesus. John saw Jesus. John walked with Jesus for three years. He he ate with him. They, They talked together. He saw the miracles that Jesus did. 
He, he experienced, and it was a very personal and intimate experience of his life with Jesus Christ. And from that encounter, John says he experienced eternal life. There's something really important here. You see, when you start in your life to experience Jesus, you start to experience eternal life. It is only fulfilled when you die and go to heaven. But right now in this life and in this world, when you walk your life with Jesus, when, when, when you know his intimate presence in your life, then you are starting to experience eternal life. Because in Jesus, there is eternal life. So John experienced that in his life in a very practical way. We experience that through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you know what? Jesus encounters people today. Jesus changes people by very personal encounters. Maybe you had a very impersonal encounter with Jesus that changed your life. I'm reminded of my friend Richard at university. He was a real extrovert of a figure. And at university, we used to spend late nights talking in the kitchen and debating various philosophies and religions. He wasn't a Christian at all at that point. Fast forward a number of years to a meetup in London of lots of old university friends. And one Sunday morning, him coming to church, very tired and bleary-eyed after a late Saturday night, coming to a Sunday church meeting. And at that Sunday church meeting, the simplest way of putting it is Jesus met with him. He had, sitting there in the congregation like you would be today, a personal encounter with Jesus. And that personal encounter with Jesus changed Richard's life forever. It changed the whole trajectory of his life. So much so that he ended up, um, after he got married, being a missionary to Turkey for the last nine years. A personal encounter changes the trajectory of our lives. You think in the Bible of Saul, who was this murderer who set out to, to kill believers. He was this kind of basically adamant kind of hater of Christians. But in Acts chapter 9, he met Jesus. He encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his life was changed Forever, He became Paul that wrote the majority of the New Testament that planted churches and ended up dying for his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is experienced in Jesus. Jesus meets us and transforms our lives. And as he does that, you start to experience the eternal life that God has for you in fulfillment when you die. Life is experienced in Jesus. And then finally, from this first kind of four verses of 1 John, life is shared in Jesus. You see, when we meet Jesus, our lives are changed, and we are called then to share that with others. Verse 3 says that that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed fellowship with the Father and the Son. You see, when you experience Jesus in your life, you have 
fellowship with God. You have a, a vertical fellowship with the creator God. But the call on our lives is then to share that with others horizontally. Share that experience with those around us. To, to tell those around us of what Jesus has done. Fellowship with God should lead to fellowship with others, with one another. You see, Jesus compels us to community. He compels us to one anothering. He compels us to, to loving those in the spiritual family, in the church, and those outside of that, to draw them in with the love of God, to express the love of God. And you see, Jesus, Jesus lives in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus loves community. He, he lives in community. He shares life and eternity in community. And his calling is for us to do the same. Salvation is not just me and Jesus. Salvation is me and the community. It's, it's sharing what I have in common with others. It's, it's sharing my, my life with others. It's fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and fellowship one with another. And then finally, verse 4 just says, and we are writing these things that you may have complete joy. Joy may be complete. And really what John is saying there is this whole letter, this, this whole reason for writing to you is to tell you that the only place you can find true joy, the only place that you can find true fulfillment is in Jesus Christ. Nowhere else and nothing else. Everything else will fall short. Everything else will let you down. But in his presence is fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. There is completeness in the joy that comes from knowing Jesus. So that's just the, the prologue, the preface, the, the introduction to 1 John. And like I said, if you remember nothing else, remember that it is all about Jesus. That's what John, whose life was transformed by Jesus, wants to communicate to you, that life is all about Jesus. So to conclude, I believe 2020 provides both the church and you and I with a great challenge, but a great opportunity. And in this challenge, it is vital that we stand upon the rock. And we stand upon the rock with clarity and confidence and assurance. And that rock is Jesus Christ, but, but that rock helps us by saying, well, what does it look like to follow Jesus Christ? It's what I believe. It's how I behave. And it's also how I belong. It's community and loving one another. 
And I tell you, church, if we get our foundations right, if we know with confidence and clarity and assurance what we are about, then we can change East London. We can change the world. We can change our family, friends. We can see the Lord's kingdom come and will be done. Remember the title of this series and Paul's, sorry, Paul's, John's heart in what he has written is that you may know. I want you to know, John says. Church, Hope Church, I want you to know. These next six weeks, I want you to know what really matters, what it means to believe the gospel what it looks like and what it means to love one another, to love those who are not part of God's church, what it looks like. I want you to know what it looks like to live set apart, holy lives, a different lifestyle. I want you to know these things because when you know them, confidence, clarity, and assurance will follow. Now, in light of that, Like I've said, the starting point is always Jesus. It's what John wrote about in those first four verses. So what we're going to do this morning in a moment is we're going to share in a moment communion together. We're going to come to the table. We're going to break bread. We're going to dip it in wine. And we're going to remember that first and foremost, it is all about 